This podcast is sponsored by AAA, the American Automobile Association. AAA members get discounts on tickets, resort accommodations, and more at Walt Disney World and other Orlando attractions. If you book a qualifying Walt Disney World Resort vacation package at select AAA offices, you'll receive a free subscription to touringplans.com, as well as dedicated trip planning resources just for AAA clients. Go to AAA.com or ask your local AAA travel agent for more details on this offer. Welcome back to another edition of the Unofficial Guide Disney Dish Podcast with Jim Hill. I'm Len Testa, and again, we're continuing our story of Disneyland. Jim and I are out on the West Coast, and the last episode we went over the history of how Disneyland got built, the decision-making process all the way through uh, what happened the night before opening day. It was a great show. We're back again with uh, Jim, and we thought we'd start off uh, in Main Street. And what we're going to do is we're going to walk through Main Street, and Jim is going to tell us what Main Street was like when it opened, what people saw, and sort of what uh, what Walt was going for with the original idea. So with that, I'd like to welcome back Jim to the show. Jim, how's it going? Not bad, not bad. I mean, we're Disneyland. How bad can it be? Exactly. It is the happiest place on earth. Mm-hmm. All right, so we're, we're out in front of the train station. We see the... Uh, the Disneyland train station sign says uh, population 500 million, elevation 138 feet. And this is what people saw, Jim, when they when they first walked into uh, to Disneyland. Yeah, yeah. And to be honest, the train station, this is a great place to start. Because to be honest, if you, take, if you go 5,000 feet up, you actually get what Disneyland is. All right? Disneyland is the world's largest train set. Okay? <laughs> in fact, you know, I mean, Walt had one in his backyard. You know, had a little miniature train. He wanted a big one, just like Ward Kimball. And God love him, he got it. But again, it's just, this is Walt's train set. And Walt wanted to try to start his train set off with, you know, a, a, a great station that sort of reflected, you know, the turn of the century feel that he wanted for the entrance of his park. Why did he want turn of the century? Well, that's, you know, again, this is Walt. This is, you know, the king of Americana. Okay. And um, that's right. He loved America. Yeah, he was just about as American as anyone could be. <laughs> I'm, I'm quoting Carousel of Progress now, and he loved the American family. That's right. All right. All right anyway, go ahead. No, it's it just, and, and in fact, that's for a lot of people when they originally looked at Disneyland. Like, let me get this straight. This is a main street that ends with a Fantasyland castle. It's like, yep. You know, and and you know when you looked at it first, you know, in fact, when they, they, they Herbie Ryman drew up the plan. And you're going to take this to the bankers. Yep. And they're really going to sign off on it. Yep. And and God, Ryman was doing the concept art. Yeah. I mean, a, a very famous week. I mean, Walt. Or excuse me. Roy was going to be flying out to see the bankers Monday morning, and Walt, you know, literally grabbed Herbie, and it's like you and I are going to hole up for a weekend, and we're going <laughs> to. And Walt literally stood over Roy at Herbie's shoulder and said, "No, this goes here. That goes there," and they actually they drafted it out over a weekend. They did the line work. And that's what Roy took to the bankers, and that's what you know closed the deal. So, so, so Walt goes to Ryman on a Friday and says, "Hey, Herb, what do you? I got a plan for this weekend. Ah, you know, I thought I'd relax with the kids, do some fishing, you know, maybe clean out the garage. Hey, Walt, is that a gun? Do you have a, <laughs> do you have a gun in your pocket? Walt, what are we doing with this? This handcuffs, Walt. <laughs> I mean, I, I, but I, the thing that I love about this period of Disneyland history is everything was like that. Everything was fly by night. Yeah. Whether it was, you know, just the, the fact that you know." We're going to do this. You know, we're going to build a, a main street. We're going to build a castle. We're going to build a storybook land canal. And, you know, you're an animator and you've never made models before. Come with me. This is your new job. <laughs> I mean, and that was I, the other thing that's fascinating, the, the talent within his own building yeah. that he identified, you know, whether it was a Ken Anderson who had done all that wonderful work on uh, Cinderella or, you know, or, or Harper Goff or, or folks like that. He just, he just got this sort of sixth sense about who could 
translate from animation to dimensional. 2D to 3D. You know, and, and that's the thing, because face it, you are walking into a movie. In fact, that, that's the transition point over here where you, you step under the train arch. Yep. You know, the, the, and in fact, if you look at Disneyland in cinematic terms, you start here from your close-up, and then you wander in, and here's your wide shot. Here's your establishing shot of the world you're about to enter. But at the same time, look here. You know, because you don't know. We're, we're in the tunnel right now. You don't know what story you're, you know, you're going to find here. You have all these coming attraction posters. You know, you, they're movie posters, but they're set up to to be coming attractions of what you're going to see. Yeah. And you know what? It's funny because I've I've walked through that tunnel. Seven million times. Yep. Never really thought of it that way. No, I mean, again. They're coming attractions. They're posters. coming attractions. Because, again, there, there are these famous stories of people in the 1950s who'd come here. You know, they, they, you know, they'd buy their admission. Again, pay a whole dollar to get into the park. A dollar? A dollar. And, and again, you have to understand, in those days, to pay a dollar seemed ridiculous, particularly given that when you went to go on a ride, well, that'll be 15 cents, and that'll be an additional dime, and that'll be 5 cents. It's like, I paid a dollar to get in here. It's like, that's your admission fee. Yeah. All right, so this is, uh, this is our shot. You're right. So this is our establishing shot. Now we're um, we're really in the center of the uh, entrance of Main Street. Yeah. We've got, the, uh, we've got the city hall to our left. We've got great moments to our right. Well, and, and uh, first, let's start dispelling some myths, all right? Any Disney fan will tell you that Walt drew his inspiration for Main Street from his childhood home of Marceline, Missouri. Okay, sure, maybe. Um, But the buildings themselves were actually cribbed from Fort Collins, Colorado, which is where Harper Goff grew up. He was the one designing, (laughs) so he made it his hometown. And then just the physical, you know, the physical aspects of of building this park. I mean, for example, the Opera House here was one of the first buildings finished but it was, you know, one of the last attractions open because this was the lumber mill. This was where literally things were built and then carried out into the rest of the park. Really? So this is where they were doing the, the finished lumber for the... Uh... Yeah, and it wasn't until 61, 62 that they finally decided they'd actually put something in here. But, of course, Disney being Disney, it's a walkthrough exhibit of the sets and the costumes of Babes in Toyland. You know? Oh, that the barn burner of a film, Babes in Toyland? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's up with the uh, what's up with these cannon that are uh, that are facing out? Is this a, is this Walt uh, from World War One? Well, you know, it, it's, it's odd that there's armament in uh, in in Main Street. Well, like, know, are we are we defending against the uh, the people in the town next uh, next over? Well, you know, it's Buena Park. It's Knott's Berry Farm. You know, that's a, <laughs> God forbid. That one point stores Knott's Berry. One point stores Universal. So, no, I mean, it just it, 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 and again, there's the, the famous stories about everything here is done. Two seventh eight scale, and that's not true. That that the reality is this street was designed by guys who made movie sets. Okay. So it's just it's not a question of, you know, it's got to look good. It's not a question of it must be seventh eight scale, you know. But that story kind of got out there over the years. In fact, there so much of the, the storytelling that's associated with the construction of Disneyland. It's just. You know, it's it's years and years of veneer that are piled yeah. upon what's really been made. I mean, for example, we're looking here, uh, you know, to the right of the Disneyland Showcase. One of the things that Walt recognized literally from the first six months of the park being open. I mean, they had they had a horrible summer. They had brutal heat waves. I mean, it didn't get open until July 17th. Right. All right. So middle of the summer, and I have this brutal heat wave, and the crowds evaporate. Really? And so, you know, it was, it, the, they had reached a point, it, you know, and it was really touch and go whether or not, you know, this was going to make it. And, you know, on a Friday, 
they would collect all of the, the money in, in buckets and take it to the bank. And just <laughs> and they literally told the managers, like, look, hold off on cashing your check. We want to make sure the hourlies get paid first. Okay. So, you know. But, really? So, man, so management was taking a, taking a sacrifice there. You know, and again, <laughs> that's probably the last time in Disney history that happened. Yeah, really, right. Um, Things have changed since then. But anyway, Walt recognized because they, they were already issues about, geez, we don't have enough room. We don't have... You know, we have difficult guest flow issues. So they, Well, it's they, the first time anyone had ever built a arc of that, that's, of that scale. Exactly. This is literally so much of this is learning curve. Yeah. I mean, the learning curve for Disneyland was so ridiculously steep. But they immediately recognized, well, if we do parades, people are going to go up the street. Why don't we blow a street in behind Main Street? And so in 1956, when you came here, mm-hmm. there was literally a sign that said, Site of Future Sites. And you could, site? of future sites <laughs> and this was going to be liberty street and okay. you, you could walk over and look through faux knot holes mm-hmm. and what it was was it was walt's first attempt at Li- uh, liberty square for walt disney world really and in fact the hall of presidents like show only with still wax figures where they were going to instead of the figures moving they were going to individual spotlights would you know thomas jefferson says i don't want to do that yeah. you know i mean Great storytelling, but they it was. So they're going to do this in the back on the right hand side of yep. uh, the main street. So an arcade. Well, but the interesting thing is the first pass was actually they were going to do, and again this is where it just gets so weird. The first version was International Street. It was going to be you know it, it was World Showcase, you wow. know, and you know, but as you turn it would literally a block of Italy, and then you turn and it's a block of Germany, and then you turn and it's a block of Greece, and it just sort of you know it just you would catty corner up the, the street. But again, Walt looked at that and was like, wow, why not do two lands? So then it became Liberty Street down here, and then the middle block of the street became Edison Square. And it, be, it was a walkthrough version of the Carousel of Progress. Wow. You, you really didn't lack for ideas here. That's really no, interesting. No, but, but again, at the same time, what he lacked for was money. I mean, yeah. you know, in fact, that was the toughest part of the, the early years of the park was that Walt had all of these, you know, whether it was sponsored, you know, that the particularly here on Main Street, when you think of the Upjohn Pharmacy or the, the Wizard of Bras store, mm-hmm. or, you know, a, you know, individual lessees came in. I mean, the, this, for example, the Disney Showcase here right. was a piano store. And, they know, sold pianos. They sold pianos. They get, of, course, of course, you're going to Disneyland. You know, oh, I forgot. I had to get the piano today. <laughs> but you know, can you have that delivered to your car? Or? Well, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you know, you'll have to pick that up and bring that back. But no, I mean, this was the thing that, that he needed to fill these storefronts. And again, as we were talking earlier about C.V. Wood, he cut some amazing deals and got some very strange people in here. So we're, we're walking down the, uh, the main street now, and one of the things I've, I've always liked about Disneyland is that they kept the main street cinema. And that's, was that there when, uh, when the park first opened? It was, it was, but it was, it, again, because this was Walt being authentic, mm-hmm. they weren't showing Steamboat Willie. They weren't showing Disney cartoons. They had, they were showing silent films. In fact, they showed Phantom of the Opera in here. Oh, great. And what was great about it is that, and again, you got to understand early, early on, they didn't have characters in this park. When, when you see the characters in the, the, the film of the opening day parade, mm-hmm. those are from Shipsad Johnson's Ice Follies. They got them, they literally came in for the day. Really? You know, those were the costumes for the ice show. Um, wow. So the only character costume for the longest time was a guy in a Phantom of the Opera mask who would lurk in the theater and occasionally run out and frighten people here on Main Street. That's not creepy at all. 
So what was what was Main Street like back on opening day? Oh, it, it, again, it was it was charming, but kind of unworkable. I mean, they were kind of learning the hard way. For example, about you know, well, first of all, the asphalt had just been poured, so you it's know, a cheap San Diego asphalt. A cheap San Diego asphalt. So a lot of people were walking down the street and losing their high heels. <laughs> um, that's the other thing, frankly. When you look at the early footage of Disneyland, you see. People used to dress up coming to Disneyland. Here are families in coats and ties and, and girls in, in, you know, little white gloves. Because this is a big deal to come out to this Anaheim, to this Disneyland thing that's been advertised on television for so long. It's like when people used to dress up to, uh, to go on the plane. Now you're lucky if you get them in sweats. Oh, God, yeah. You know. <laughs> but again, right here would have been your entrance to uh, Edison Square. We, we've stopped at the... Uh, We're on the cul-de-sac, uh, yeah. first cul-de-sac to the right now. Mm-hmm. So this would have been, uh, this is where walkers are right now. Yep. Yeah. And it's, it would have been Edison Street. Yeah, the idea was that, that instead of the theater go-around idea, you literally walk from room to room to room, and they, they did the history of the, the electrical light. So, um... People back then thought that was fascinating. Well, or would have. you know, it, it was more to the effect of, you know, again, nothing. It was like, turned. It was period appropriate. I get that. And and nothing like this had been tried. And more to the point, this was. Now you have to understand that for people growing up in the 1950s, this was the world of their grandparents. This really did connect with them in a big way. They, you know, they remembered this from going to see Grandma. So this was nostalgia for them. Absolutely. Now, that, and in fact, this becomes kind of an issue with all of the new theme parks that Disney's building because, you know, it's kind of become the default when you do a new, you know, Disneyland around the world. You do a Main Street. Yep. And, you know, for example, for uh, Hong Kong, you know, there was this long argument about why are we doing turn-of-the-century America? This means nothing to these people. Yeah, it's... it's- I mean, for us, it's sort of like, you know, now obviously no one, no one, no one grew up in, mm-hmm. you know, Fort Collins or, or Marceline. No. But, but now for, for people who know Disney theme parks, it's, this is really just scene setting. No, that's You have to have one of these things. It's like opening credits. You have to do it, right? Well, what they did, in fact, they were, Tim Delaney did this amazing, you know, the notion of, well, why don't we just, look, they're coming to Disney. Why don't we fill the street with Disney buildings? So, you know, for example, you walk down the street and here is... The Darlings home, you know, and you this look, is for which park? This was uh, the original pass for Hong Kong. Their main street was going to be, you know, for example, the restaurant from Ratatouille will be That's slotted funny. right next to the Darlings house, and you could see the window ledge where Peter Pan, you know, with the window that was open for Peter to come in and out. But an entire street of iconic Disney buildings from the various films. That's interesting. And so, so where people wouldn't couldn't relate necessarily to. Turn of the Century Americana, they could still relate if they knew the film catalog. That's it exactly, oh, and and so. you know, but you know, again, Disney being Disney, they they defaulted to the safe choice. I mean, even with nah. with um, Euro Disneyland, you know, the original take there was we've done Turn of the Century over and over at this point. We've done a Tokyo, we've done a Orlando, done an Anaheim. Why don't we do something different? And the, their original version was going to be 1920s. You were going to have flappers, you were going to have gangsters. In fact. The Waltz restaurant that's there. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a speakeasy. It was. <laughs> it really? it really was. In fact, 
I get that, that uh, little, Eddie, little door opens up with the password. Well, that, that, and actually, the, the great thing about it, Eddie Sato actually drew up this entire plan for it. What was going to happen is you'd be in there eating dinner in the casino, and there would be the police are here, and the walls would all revolve, and it would become the restaurant. And so, and you know, it was evidently that was the show. The police would come through looking for the people who, you know, it's like I know there's a casino in here somewhere. <laughs> and as soon as you went out the door, the walls would all revolve That's again. That's awesome. Yeah, but, that's a great idea. But no, again, this is the thing that that this worked well in '55, and okay. it worked sort of well again in '71. But they made the mistake in Orlando of we have all the space, let's make it bigger. I mean, face it, you know, when you're here, when you're walking the street, do you? Do you feel anxious? Do you feel, you know, it, it's actually, it's a comforting scale. I, I like this particular uh, version mm -hmm. of, of Main Street. I like the cinema. Mm -hmm. I like the fact that they still have the arcade. Mm -hmm. It's a good scale. It's, uh, yeah, it, 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 there's nothing wrong with the one in Orlando. I like them both. I like this one maybe just a touch better. Yeah, I, I have to admit, if I've got to pick, this this is the way to go. But on the other hand, there's this great what might have been. I mean, for example, across the way now where the, the practically perfect bakery is, yeah. what John Hench wanted to do is that's where the haunted house was. That you know, because face it, the end of the street. At the end of the street, you got the graveyard, the creepy house. In fact, John, John had this amazing idea that he wanted to do, and it, it just it became a capacity thing. But you, you would love this. I mean, the idea is it's an empty lot for you know, for, you know, it's it's an empty. When you walk into the park to be near the day, it's an empty lot, and but as the sun goes down, all of this artificial smoke comes out <laughs> and then when the smoke clears this building has appeared in the lot it's wow. literally a, and that's where the haunted house is but it only you only get to go in the haunted house after dark wow if they could have pulled it off that would have been crazy yeah yeah you know but but again you know this is disney now and so so in 1955 so the park opens right yep. and they do the main street and they have like the original shops with you know the wizard of bras and the piano selling and stuff like yep. that what what happened right over here this is this is where the oh, we're, we're walking by the Wizard of... Where the, oh, it's uh, Fargo's Palm Parlor now. Because the idea is that this is where ladies' garments were being... So so it's like, you know, it had to have that sort of intimate feel. Oh, so it has, has a little porch. Yep. And uh, lace curtains and stuff like that. So, so 55 it opens. Mm. By the end of the summer, do they, ha do they have some idea that there are changes that need to be made? And actually, it sort of keys off of the very thing we were talking about. They, they pay it a dollar to get in, and it's like... And now suddenly they're reaching into their pockets over and over and over again because it's like ten cents to get on this ride, fifteen cents to get on that ride. You know, by September, October, they've finally sort of defaulted to like, all right, let's do a ticket book. Let's do, you know, you get eight adventures or you get twelve adventures, and in that way, you know, they pay up front and they're not complaining the whole day. Right. So does the admission price go up then from the dollar? It it does. The, the you can pay a dollar just to get in. I mean, the, the individual ticket booths actually survived well into the sixties. In fact, they're still here in the park. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll point them out and we'll go around today. You know, with the ticket book, for a lot of people, that became the easier way to go. And more sure. to the point, you know, you could you could argue, and it was very smart of Disney. They put it out there. It's like, look, if you bought the individual tickets, it would be, you know, $5. We're going to sell you this ticket book for 4 And for a lot of people, oh, it's a bargain now. Yeah. And, you know, and more to the point, for kids, you know, the tickets you didn't use, you could bring back and reuse at Disneyland. Oh, that's smart, too. And, you know, that actually became... Sort of a, a you know Southern California tradition that you would trade tickets with your friends because it's like really? I'll give you two C's for an E or you know that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I this in a lot of ways it kind of makes me sad that over time Disney actually now has a name for the area we're in now. It's a, it's gone from being a Main Street 
uh, in all the parks. They, the the in-house term for this is a retail corridor. Yeah. So that, that, that tells you how the vision has changed of the uh, of yeah. the park. And and more to the point, that, that that's it exactly. This was built because Walt wanted one. All right. <laughs> you know, why fact, wouldn't you build it? Yeah, and and that, that's in fact, you know, he he spent the money on the windows. He spent the money, you know. That um, I will tell you though that for the 30th anniversary of Disneyland. I, I was lucky enough to be a reporter, and one of the, the weird perks of that event is like, you know, because they had a 30 hour long party. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but, you know, noon one day, they're like, of the day of the event, it's like, well, we're going to go up on the, the rooftop and take pictures of walking in the street. Do you want to come come with? And it's like, yes. <laughs> and that was the thing to get up there. It's so charming and looks so wonderful down here. You get up there, and it's like, oh my God. You know, you're stepping on plywood from 1955 you know and it's like oh don't lean on the cupola cupola will kill somebody <laughs> um, when you fall you'll hit there on the bricks yeah so i mean it, it's it's a uh, but again it's a it's a different world up there okay right, you know just right. just like just like bert says a different that you know that, that i've been on the roofs before there we go not here but in, uh, in all right so, so so going back to the to the original idea of of disneyland Walt had his transition experience, his his introduction to the park. So it's it's Main Street, mm-hmm. and from there, you got to the central hub. And what was, was it? Was Walt was was the idea of a, a hub and spoke system uh, something that Walt had originally come up with? Was that that was part of the park originally? Well, that, that, that was there from day one. But again, this is because Walt had spent all of that time visiting other parks. I mean, whether it was Tivoli Gardens or going. You know, down doing the amusement piers in California. And right. Just the notion of, okay, you know, we need to orient people. We need to, you know, for example, you know, you get to the hub here, literally the hub of the park. It's like castle in front of me. And back in the day, it's like if you look to your left, you hear, you know, you could see the steamboat and you could hear the whistle. Or you could look off to the right and you could see, you know, the, the, the rocket ship to the moon. Right. And it's like, okay, I'm, I'm orientated. And... That way, when it came time to leave at the end of the day, it's like, where am I? Oh, I know how to get back. And that's oh. important because, to your point earlier in the previous podcast, you said there's one entrance and one exit. Yep. So uh, unlike other theme parks, you uh, there's only one way around. So we're, we're standing here, and this is uh, uh, right at the, the entrance of the Central Hub. And on an earlier episode with uh, with Sam Genoway, Sam had talked about in, how in Walt Disney World, that's the horse walking, by the way, uh, with the trolley. So, uh, so Sam had, had said that you can stand here and you can see... Um, dynamic movement um, in different areas, and it's true. So uh, you can see uh, cars going by on the Matterhorn. You can see the water running on the Matterhorn. You can see the spinning of the Astro Orbiter, which sort of beckons you to uh, to Tomorrowland. Over to the to the right, you would have seen. Well, now you see Frontierland, but at, at one point, you I guess if the trees weren't there, you would have seen the the steamboat. Yes. Oh, interesting. All right, cool. So from here, where do we go, Jim? Well, that's. Why don't we take a look at Adventureland, which, you know, was home of the original equivalent of an e-ticket. All right, great. So uh, so we'll wrap up the Main Street episode, and uh, we'll pick up on Adventureland next time. For Jim Hill, this is Len Testa. You've been listening to the Unofficial Guide Disney Dish podcast with Jim Hill. Please, please, please rate us on uh, iTunes and tell us what you'd like to see on the next show. Thanks, and we'll see you soon.